0: The fabulous Juke Jones is in the house. (laughs) (laughs) What is today? I don't even know what day it is. Today is Thursday, the 30th of April. Time doesn't exist in quarantine. I know. Isn't it strange? Although at
1: this point, I'm not even quarantined anymore. I feel like for the first month and a half, I did really, really good But now that we all know we're gonna have to go to back to work in like a week yeah we've just it just hasn't mattered at all yeah doug's been going to the range with his friends they they've all come over here we had a hot wing challenge i mean it was just like we haven't seen each other so we all like got together because we all have to go back to work now so what does it matter that's
0: the point right yeah i mean it's been like i've been busier since i've been off work because you know there's there's like times when you have money but it's because you've been working a lot so you have no time right so you got t- money but no time and then you have like time but it's because you're out of work and you have no money so like you can't do crap to your house because like you need both of those things so since i was one of those people that became unemployed and i did get unemployment i'm like busting my butter on my house being super productive like nobody can say i'm just sitting around loafing but um yeah, it's uh it's been it's been very strange. Like the first couple of weeks were bad because I had just come back from that trip and I had to be completely isolated from you and from other people and except I was at work, but then I got sick and then we closed down and so then I was freaking out and I had to isolate myself inside my own house from people that I live with, which I mean, so that couple of weeks was horrible, but then after that it's been like I don't want to say it's been a vacation because I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm being an ass, but it's it's not been like I've been at the beach laying around. I've been working, but it's just like nice to have time to work on your house. And a friend of mine, uh, Kai, who I used to work with, was texting me today, and he asked me about relationships because he's like kind of pondering, you know, how relationships have been either improved or suffered because couples are like spending so much time together. And I feel like it's good in the sense that, you know, if you're in a relationship, so, so much stuff just gets pushed under the carpet and compartmentalized and repressed because you don't have time to deal with it. And so when you're stuck in the house with somebody and there's nothing else to do, like if there's some underlying stuff that it's like we're fighting about the dishes but it's not really about the dishes, that stuff's going to blow up. And it's good that it blows up right. because you have to resolve it one way or another.
1: Right, yeah. A lot so. of people end up in those situations where um, – you know they're 50 years old and getting divorced because you know they they just they thought they got along with their spouse and then once their kids were gone and they retire and they spend time right. together they're like wow we really don't have anything in common right. like life literally gets in the way so yeah i know that i was thinking about that they talked about uh how domestics are going up with sure. all these people being trapped in together and it does make me especially i think about the kids all the time i live right by school so you know i all of this from the very beginning until now all I can think about is like you know for a lot of kids school is an escape from that yes and now they're just stuck in their house with possibly the person who's abusing them I know and I mean I know they're making a big effort to make sure these kids are still fed for Mm -hmm. kids that rely on schools Mm -hmm. for food but it just kills me that these people that are out there screaming and protesting that they want things open it's like okay Karen we get it you can't survive without shopping at Target for two weeks but How about you worry about shit that actually matters? Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's not... I I wonder if those
0: people... Okay, first of all, those people are protesting. I'm wondering, like, did they get unemployment? Are they running small businesses? Like, no one's, like, going up and putting the mic to them and asking them, like, what is the reason you're protesting? And I think a lot of it is just 100% political. They just want to go out and prove that they're on Team A or Team B. And... You know, because basically, like, you, if you're getting unemployment right now, I know, like, you want to go back to work. You want life to return to normal. But you're getting to spend time with your family.
1: Right. Well, I wondered that, too. How much maybe do you hate was... your spouse and children
0: right. that you don't get, like, I think it's wonderful that, I mean, out of the three adults in my household, I'm the only one who's not working because the other two are in essential businesses. And so, you know, I, it's like, but just my not working. I mean, they come home to a cleaner house. You know, it's, it's just, everything's getting done that wasn't getting done because I was working and tired and, and I only worked three days a week. So I just think like, why are these people not taking advantage of the fact that you have time to sit down and talk to your kids and talk to your wife and like, you know what I mean? You can't go out, but like, where have we lost our sense of family that we can't enjoy one another? I mean, I guess it's opposite for us because we're a very cloistered family. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say too, which I just wanted to add
1: that, uh, um, this is a really interesting topic, so if we end up talking about this for a while, then we'll just split this episode into two, and uh, we'll put the second one up, but um, yeah, I don't know. I have been pretty bummed out just for the simple fact that, you know, Doug is in the steel industry, and he was laid off for, like, six months, mm-hmm. and I had to work so much, plus being in school, we, did, we spent no time together. It was nothing but, like, fighting because, you know, money, mm-hmm. and um, he wanted to go back to the steel mill. I told him to get another job, so there was just constant fighting about that. I mean, other than that, good, but you know what I mean? You fight over money. So I get laid off work for all this, and he goes back to work. Mm -hmm. So it was like, literally, we had like a week off together before he went back to work, and that I was off. But...
0: um, I mean, and that's the American family way, is that both people work, kids are at school, kids are in sports. I don't know how people
1: with kids do it. I really don't. I honestly really don't know how they do it. I mean, I worked full-time while Doug was laid off, but for the rest of the, the year... I only worked uh, part-time, like 30 hours a week, and then did school. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know how people get things done. I mean, we have a house and a dog and we both work. But other than that, it's, I, I don't know how people get things done. I mean, mm-hmm. just keeping up with like dishes and laundry and cooking a meal every single night and grocery yeah. shopping and making sure the dog has this medicine and like all, all of that. It's, yeah, it's just overwhelming. So mm-hmm. you had a kid in the mix. I don't know how people do it. I feel like yeah. literally every week something's breaking in my house. Right. So I just don't know how I, I really do sympathize with people who have kids, especially right now, because they don't understand what's going on. Right. And, you know, the other day, I know my brother's daughter was talking about doing gymnastics and stuff and it hit me that you know she's probably really missing gymnastics mm-hmm. class right now mm-hmm. and she doesn't
0: understand actually it, it has we've kind of like used the exercise room that we had set up for um sean and i to work out and we got it all together which is another thing that like after i quarantined myself in there for a few days of course i had to remove the mattress i put in there and clean it and everything but then i was like hey we need to get back to working out and he said yeah it's, I, I was thinking that same thing but so Layla goes up there and she does her acrobatics, her gymnastics stuff. And so I told her, I'm like, I know you miss your friends in gymnastics, but we can come up here and you can do it. And today she was putting on a whole show, tap dancing and everything. So yeah, I mean, I think they missed the social aspect of it. The little neighbor girl told me that she wants to go back to school and she does not like school, but she wants to go back to school yeah, because kids need structure. her friends are there. This and, is very right. strange. I mean, right. I would
1: have been devastated because I mean, not that I necessarily loved school, but I loved school for the fact that it was a social function. I mean, there were always people there. I don't know what I would have done. I mean, when we, when it was, I was a sophomore in high school and we took off and went to Europe for almost a month. Mm -hmm. And then we came back and it was summer vacation. And I didn't see my friends for like five months, Mm -hmm. a lot of them. And I was like, so upset about that. Mm -hmm. I was so bummed. So I'm like, I can't imagine. And, And that was in high school. So, I mean, I can't imagine how these I'm thinking about the kids a lot right now. I mean, I don't have kids, but I see these kids going back and forth to the school here every day. And, and you know, we don't live in a perfect state. We do live in a poverty-stricken area. There's a lot of drug abuse here. And you see kids over and over again that, like, you kind of get the picture that their life isn't, you know, yeah. so great. Just by looking at them, you can tell. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know. I feel so bad for those kids. I think about them, like, what are they doing? You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I do appreciate that they're making sure that these kids are getting fed, but it does worry me because... You know, you don't know what's going on right. at home, and they're just stuck there, and they can't get away. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, I forget that now as an adult that I have like the ability to leave my house if I don't mm-hmm. want to be there anymore. Right. But kids don't have that. Yeah. And I don't thank know. God.
0: I mean, like now at least they have like technology. Some of some of the kids know how to communicate with their friends and at least stay in touch with them. I mean, I can't imagine this in a time where no cell phones, there was, no, no Facebook. Yeah. yeah. No video chatting, I know. That I was most of my life, so yeah. Yeah, I can. It's it, it is weird like I remember listening to my grandmother talk who she was born in 1925, grew up in the depression. And she used to talk about her life and how, you know, they sat around the radio because there was no television. And it's just like so crazy to me to think about like what life was like then, and then we got our first computer when I was in the 7th grade. Which was, we were far and above, like, you know, to get a computer in your house. It was a Commodore 64 (laughs) computer. But, you know, my dad had got his first good job and he was like, wanted to have a computer. So he got the computer and, um, you know, thinking back to what computers did then. And there was no cell phones. And I got my first cell phone when you were two years old. And AT&T was, sell, it was at every store you could possibly go to. And they were saying, oh, sign up and you get the phone for free. And we just bill you. And it was a Christmas gift, you know. So we got our first cell phones then. It's in 1997. Wow. And so when I think about, like, my life, if you break down in a car, you're thinking about how you're going to take your child and walk to where you can safely use a telephone or a pay phone, which don't even exist anymore, So, in my lifetime, as far as technology, is just hard for me to even conceive what my own life was like, you know, 25 years ago. Yeah, that's insane. It is. That is crazy. You watch old movies and you're like, oh, yeah, pay phones. Like, that used to be, like, the only way you could call somebody if you were out and about somewhere and you broke down or you needed help. Like, you had to find a pay phone.
1: Yeah, I laugh still that, you know, I go back through some of my, my old email account that I had from, like, middle school You know, until I got in high school and, like, made an adult email account, you know, that's just my name or whatever. And I look back through that old one and I see that my best friend, Duran, and I, like, sent emails back and forth Mm -hmm. of just, like, stupid stuff. Like, Yahoo, when it was back then in, you know, 2005, 2006, they had, like, all these... It was, like, a big thing to send, uh, like, cards, like, birthday cards or, like, different e-cards mm-hmm. so drew and i would just like send them back and forth because we were like 11 and it was so funny to us that we were like communicating right. that way and i look back through those and i'm just like that's probably the most i ever used to communicate with anyone via email because very shortly after that you got well, phones we
0: well we got you, cell phones yes.
1: but then also myspace was right. a huge
0: thing but i got you the cell phone that only had my number yeah i, I know. got you the cricket it's, phone that you it's hated because it firefly was, firefly, that's firefly that's what it was yeah the firefly yeah crickets for old it people. only had four <laughs>
1: no emergency numbers in it the jitterbug is for old people yeah that's the yeah, old yeah. people <laughs> phone and then they had the firefly for kids which is what i had, yes, it had four yes, buttons on yes. it which was the uh the green call to answer the red call to end call and then it had two buttons actually it had three buttons it was two numbers that you programmed and the 911 was the other one right that's all it did yeah there was nothing on it i was yeah. so pissed i'm like oh thanks a lot like that's what you get as a child when you try to use an argument like, well, I need a cell phone because what if I need to get a hold of you? Well, there you go. Yeah, right. Because we were like restrictive. About Which I'm glad stuff. you guys were though, man. I literally, I, I mean, I use Snapchat now as an adult and there is a thing that you can bring up a map and it show, it's Snap Map, and you can see where everyone you have as a friend is if they mm-hmm. have that turned on. Um, but you can post snaps publicly that have your location on them, right? So this is the scariest thing ever because I can pull this map up And it'll show a little blue orb and I click it and I can see all the snaps in that area. And I've seen so many that kids, literal children, like seven, eight, nine post. And not only, it shows me the street that they're on and then their video shows me who they're with and what they're doing. Oh my goodness. And I'm just like, I have seen this I check it all the time and I'm just like, I wish I could find these kids as parents because they probably don't even realize that
0: this is a thing see one of the reasons you had that phone was because i was so technology dumb and so i remember when your brother and his your cousin andrew were at grandma patty's house and they got on the computer and tried to try to type in nick.com and actually typed in dick.com and because she had no filters like some pictures came up And they were freaking out about it. So I was like, what? You know what I mean? And of course, like I said, he was probably, you know, seven or eight years old then. So that was like 21 years ago. So of course, Grandma Patty didn't know that you have to filter the computer because... Well, plus probably
1: back then it was... They have a lot of programs now that make it a lot easier.
0: Yeah. But back then...
1: um, Because parents are
0: obviously always going to be... Unless you do IT as a parent... You're, you're going to be way behind your kids. Behind the curve, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like an unlevel playing field. It's always going to be that way. I remember when I just had a flip phone that would do text messages. And you, by that time, were, I think, just out of high school and had your own cell phone. And you were like, Mom, you need to get a phone that does apps. And I clearly remember saying... What's an app? Yeah, well, and you we were funny like, too, because "What?" Like, everyone, you thought I was joking. I'm like, "No, I don't. I don't need that."
1: Everyone <laughs> I knew from the time that I was like a uh, freshman in high school in 2009 uh, on had iPhones, right? But I still wasn't up with that because I mean, I had that Cricket or the the Firefly phone in middle school when I was like 12. It was my first phone, and then after that, when I was like 13. The summer before my freshman year, you guys got me a real phone. It was like a flip phone. And I went to Grandma Bertha's house and was climbing in the tree in her side yard and fell out of the tree, smashed my body against the tree, and broke the phone in half. And you guys were just like, well, that sucks for you. Like, you should take care of your stuff better. (laughs) So I was so pissed. So one of my friends gave me a phone, and it was like a, a Nokia or something. I don't know. It was a brick. I think it was a brick. Did nothing. And I had that phone. And basically, my friends just kept giving me their old phones, which I was using, up until i met doug when i was like 17 in 2012 and they all had like the fifth sixth generation of iphone and they like made fun of me they're like your phone doesn't even get on the internet but i was like you know what i mean like i didn't have money to buy another one and And it's like like,
0: it was so unnecessary and i have to say because anybody who's listened to this conversation so far is like Oh, we went to Europe for like a month. <laughs> like, wait, I thought you were poor. Okay, let me just clarify we're, uh, that. We're we like, were poor. We're material but, poor. We're material poor. But like in that trip, I actually borrowed the money to go on that trip out of my retirement because it was that important to me to have that experience with you.
1: Well, to go and there's, and there's and travel a difference with you. too. This is what I try and to tell people. All the I'm time. a
0: super good cheap planner because if you remember, I can plan trips dirt cheap like I can find We actually did stay
1: in really nice places too (laughs) so but uh an important thing to mention about that because that gets brought up all the time for me is how I'm like yeah we grew up so poor and people are like oh didn't you go to Europe and I'm like yeah we did but first of all we were poor until I was like eight or nine years old Mm -hmm. and then you got that job mm-hmm. and it was really you know what I mean everything's kind of changed we went from being mm-hmm. like dirt poor to like kind of middle class still, yeah
0: we were about middle class but we then, weren't, still weren't rich but we were so used to being really poor that we just <laughs> continued
1: to live really poor exactly that's what I try to tell people I'm like you guys yeah. Drove those shit Cavaliers literally until yours had to be scrapped because the frame was rusted. Like yeah. we just used things,
0: and we always bought a Goodwill. Like we we spent money on nothing else. So like nothing. our other money, like when I when we went on that trip, we didn't I borrowed have a TV. The money. When our TV
1: broke, we didn't even replace it. no Never replaced it because we were just like meh, you know whatever. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we just we hoarded money and did not blow on material things. So it definitely looked like we were super dirt poor. Um <laughs> and it's like yeah okay whatever your parents bought you a fucking jeep but my parents
0: took me to England so who won there right, like yeah I don't know like it's just a priority thing like some people want to drive a thirty thousand dollar truck you know thir- and that that's a cheap truck I guess I right. should have said probably yeah. sixty thousand dollar truck like see I don't even know what the actually expensive truck is because I can't imagine spending that much on a vehicle oh, but never. but yeah like we never spent like our house was probably what most people spend on their vehicle right honestly like maybe even less than that so but we decided when we were very young that we wanted to travel and then we had kids and had zero money to even like it was like you said scraping poor to where it was a survival act of survival so there was no question traveling and i remember when we at, right after we bought our first house which was in super bad shape like it probably should have been torn down yeah i'm sure this is the house it and that fixed uh, it up. Dad said
1: when you guys looked at it and you flicked the lights on, the cockroaches just like scattered.
0: And that was the one thing I told him was like, I grew up in cockroach houses when I was a kid. And I'm like, I can't deal with bugs, dude. I can deal with spiders and everything but roaches and Katie did for some reason. I can take ants. I can take spiders. I can take, I had snakes in the house, mice in the house, but (laughs) don't, like there's a bat in my library right now, like floating around, but I can't take bugs. So yeah, that house was disgusting and horrible. It looked like something out of a third world country. And when we started gutting it to fix it up, people came by and said, Thank God they're tearing this place down. Like literally people in the neighborhood were like, We thought they'd never tear this place down. <laughs> we're like, no, we bought it. <laughs> but we bought it for eight thousand dollars. That was how much What it did take. you sell
1: it for when you left it?
0: We sold it for thirty three thousand.
1: In two thousand
0: eight. In two thousand and no two thousand and Two thousand
1: three. Oh yeah, sorry. Two thousand and three. Yeah. yeah.
0: So ninety seven to two thousand and three. Wow, that's a big profit
1: for yeah. that amount of time. Yeah, yeah.
0: It was, and it wasn't. Um, we when we ref- we bought the new house. It wasn't a yeah. That one was hundred percent paid off. Yeah, that one's a hundred percent paid off. And then we bought the house up on the hills. So that was our second house. But yeah, like we just have busted our ass like our whole life. But we decided that we were going to travel. And then I remember um, when you were probably. I think you were like two, um, two or three. And um, your dad had said, like one of his friends went to Italy, got to tour the Vatican. He was like, I was so bummed out. And he said, you know, I remember when we were young, we were going to travel the world. And then we had kids and, you know, we had stuff that we had to do. And he was like all bummed out about it. So I went and priced a ticket. And you will not believe this, but like a round trip ticket to Italy then, was three hundred and twenty-one dollars round. What year was this trip? It was ninety-seven. So pre nine eleven. Oh yeah, pre nine eleven. Because now three hundred fifty dollars of your ticket, every ticket is the the Homeland Security fee. Right. Yeah. It's so expensive. To so the here. fee, Homeland Security fee, is more than the entire ticket cost me back then. And then I like booked a hotel in Italy. Like called them myself. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I need room, you know. And so my Italian, I can't, my Italian's not that good, so I won't embarrass myself. But um, anyway, so I booked the hotel myself and everything. And then I, I gave your dad the ticket and he was like, what is this? And I said, I bought you a ticket to go to Italy. And he looks in the folder and he's like, well, there's only one. I said, well, yeah, it's like a birthday present for you. And he's like, well, I'm not going by myself. And I said, what about when I was young and going to travel the world? He's like, yeah, but now I'm old and scared. I'm not going anywhere by myself. Old and scared, but by that guy, you weren't even in your 30s then. I know. But he was like, I'm not going now by myself. I was like, okay. So then I had to go buy a second ticket, and we ended up going. And uh, that was the first time we ever flew on a plane, either one of us. That's crazy. Eight and a half hours. flight. See, that's crazy for
1: me to think because after you guys took that trip, uh, then in 2003, we went again as a family mm-hmm. and so I was only eight years old then right and that was my first time on a flight but I mean first time I had ever traveled anywhere and we went to Italy so mm-hmm. I mean travel travel's always just kind of been like a, it is weird to me that people who talk about traveling for the first time they're like I can't believe you can just buy a plane ticket and go anywhere in the world and I'm like yeah why I mean why wouldn't you be able to <laughs>
0: like it's weird to me because I don't know I guess that's always just been I never uh, even a saw reality. the ocean any ocean until I was 27. Yeah, that's so strange to me. I went to Myrtle Beach to pick up my nephew to come stay in West Virginia for the summer. And it was March, so obviously we didn't go to the beach. We just drove down there and picked him up and drove back. But I was like, I have to see the ocean while I'm down here. So we drove down there. And he they live about 15 minutes from the beach. So we picked him up. And we went over. And it was overcast. And it was chilly. But And I was thinking to myself as we were driving toward the beach, like, I don't know what it looks like between, like, sand beach and, like... How do you merge that to into, like, sidewalk? How do you... What's it, just, it just is. It, it just <laughs> is. But, like, that was a weird, real thought for me. Because when you see pictures on TV or in postcards or whatever of the you beach, just see, like, it's the beach. just the beach. Yeah. Or if you see, like, Broadway at the beach, it's just the mall. It's the buildings. But, like, what about that in-between space? Like, what is that? That's really so funny. So we pulled in, and we got out of the little parking lot there, going to the beach, and there was sand in the parking lot. I'm like, oh, this is how it is. It, like, merges into the beach, and I walked up, and I will never forget, like, just being completely awestruck at seeing the ocean, and I thought to myself, like, you know, if you're a kid, and you go to the beach every year with your parents, like, you don't have that experience I had, where I was just completely blown away by the sight of the ocean. Like and maybe that's just me cuz I'm weird. No, at I it.
1: feel like uh you're definitely right though because like you said we we drove down there uh, damn near every year to mm-hmm. get my cousin Andrew. So from the time that I was like 2 until I was 18 years old, yeah. we went to the beach nearly frequently. every yeah. single year yeah, to, pick, to pick him think, up. Right. Um so I was always around the beach, always always and yeah. uh but you know, it's crazy to think of it that way too because That first trip to Europe when I was eight, I feel like because of the age that I was at, that was like a crucial turning point because I look at my peers and the outlook that they have, you know, being in this valley and never having been out of West Virginia and being surrounded by how miserable it is here and we're an old steel town where we live. So it's just like all these old factories that are run down. I mean, it's just so depressing. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel like the thing that kept me so positive that that they didn't have was that I'm like, the whole world isn't like this. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to make someone believe that the whole world's not like this until they see it for themselves. It's like
0: you describing to me what the ocean is like when I haven't been there.
1: Right. I mean, it's like trying to explain, it's trying to explain colors to a blind person or sounds to a deaf person. Like Mm -hmm. you just can't, I mean, I try to explain to people when they, talk about being in the valley and how life is so hopeless and i'm just like i don't know how to explain to you that like just an eight hour flight can take you to a place surrounded by so much history and art that you'll forget that shithole west virginia even Mm -hmm. is on the same planet yeah i mean and it's like i don't know i guess that in the back of my head i don't think i would ever move away from here Mm -hmm. just because this is where my family is and it's like
0: and, and you can read it, about
1: those places, well, right? And, and now you they can go live. They have VR. Yeah, they have VR now. Right. When, when the first VR thing came out, you could download the app on your phone and put it in this little cardboard thing and look around. I put it on a Paris and looked around. You can like look up and it like yeah. looks like the Eiffel Tower. And I'm just like, I'm so glad
0: things like this exist. do that. <laughs> and I told somebody at work one time, I was like, you know, Google Maps, when you can go or a live cam and you can go and like look at your computer and you can peek through a magical doorway into the other side of the world. Like, how does not everybody find that immensely fascinating every day of their life? It's so insane. Because that stuff didn't happen when I, like, I had pen pals in high school. I had one in Australia, and I had one, I think, in Spain, but I had two pen pals. And the one in Australia wrote me a lot. The other one didn't write that much. But anyways, my dad had a computer, and by that time, he'd upgraded a couple times and he had CompuServe which was like a chat room with just text but you could chat with people all over the world wow and it was like extremely expensive to get on it I don't even remember it was like because long distance calling right it was like cheaper than long distance calling but it was still really expensive and so I came in one night and he was like I was like what are you doing he's like oh I'm talking to somebody in um I don't even remember California or no, it had to be somewhere in Europe because I was like, oh my God, you're talking to somebody like around the world, like in real, like real time, like real time. And he was like, yeah. And I was studying French and Spanish at the time. And the first thing I thought was, oh my gosh, I have to get on this because I want to talk to people in Spanish and French, like in their language. So to go from like letter writing to real time, like texting to across the world to net, like we're becoming such a global community with our communication. And I feel like the political interests that exist want to keep us separated. So they're inflaming all these, you know, feelings towards each country, towards each other. But it's like, that isn't that going to fall apart though? Like when we all start talking to each other, person to person, human to human. I mean, that's my hope is that, you know, we'll start to feel like we know people who live around the world. Well, that blows my mind too.
1: I actually, uh, in college right now, I'm taking a course called, uh, the global community and it's all about globalization and how basically there, there's no going back, Mm -hmm. you know, in a very short amount of time, basically just 20 years, my lifetime, we've gone from, you know, separated to person to person connection all over the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nobody that you can't reach, you know, um, for the majority anyway. And, um, It does shock me because there is a lot of peer-to-peer discussions, you know, we talk about human rights in the UN. And uh, one of the questions last week was, you know, do you think that human rights should be considered when making policies about immigration? And it shocked me that everyone who answered was like, well, yes, uh, American citizens should be considered when making policies. And I was like, that wasn't the question. It was human rights Mm -hmm. for humans. Mm Mm-hmm not American citizens. And it's like, right. the I was like the only person in the class that was like, first of all, every country, when they make any policy, should be thinking about human rights for every
0: exactly. human. right? right not right.
1: just what affects the people. I mean, it is really strange to me that people, especially in America, because my entire life, even in Backwoods, West Virginia, they've always been preaching about America, the melting pot. And I don't know how people can look at someone you know they look at these like the kids in the cages at the border and people talk about well that's their parents fault you know for bringing them there they're the one who got them in that situation i'm like why are we even talking about whose fault it is like mm-hmm. that's a person right. that's a human like i completely believe in borders and i completely believe in screening people before you just let them in the country mm-hmm. okay there's no country without borders i get all that and i don't disagree with that but like are we really arguing about whose fault it is? That's a child. Yeah. And even if it's not, that's a family. Like yeah. those are people. Those are human beings. Like that could be your neighbor if they were just born in a different location.
0: That person would be your neighbor. How do you? Well, not- and the people that make the argument that well, you know, they're illegal. when I say with air quotes around? That, yeah. Because what the fuck even is that? They're <laughs> illegals because they came in when they came into the country they broke the law. Okay. Well, let me just say this to you. There was a time when owning and beating another human being every day of their life was legal. Yep. There was a time when beating your wife was legal and advisable by most people in society. Um, so what, how are we to look at things in terms of human laws without considering... Humans. And that's the problem. There were people during slavery that knew that slavery was immoral and wrong and horrible, but because it benefited them either financially or because it was just considered to be one of those necessary evils of society or just the way things are or, well, it's legal. And now we look back on that and say, that's horrifying. Like, you know. Well, I guess I think of that in the same way as. You know, World
1: War II, and I understand that all of the people involved in that um, obviously weren't set out to just want to murder Jews. Okay. I get that not all of them were like that. It was basically like, join us or be a part of them and die. Mm-hmm. Um, but
0: a lot of them were exuberant on board supporters with it. of Hitler. and Exuberant it's like, supporters of Hitler.
1: How did that happen? And by no means do I think Trump is as bad as Hitler. I feel like that's. I feel like to reference anything from that time period world war ii germany to anything that trump does is just an insult to everyone that suffered from the holocaust Mm -hmm. like nothing he does is going to amount to what those people went through Mm -hmm. and i feel like the knee-jerk reaction that the left tries to get for saying things like that is is awful
0: and i don't think they frame it in a proper context because if you know if if you study how the situation in in germany happened you find out that a lot of the same psychological mechanisms, a lot of the same propaganda, a lot of the same nationalistic fervor, a lot of the same economic problems, like, it is kind of history repeating itself in the sense that all of those ingredients there bake the same kind of cake. Right, okay, so this is very important, and I'm glad we're
1: actually going off on a tangent on this, because a friend of mine and I were just having a conversation similar to this that had to do with school shootings, but the problem with When someone else gets to write the narrative, you know, they say the winner writes history or whatever, is that we do learn about World War II and Hitler and all of the people that supported him and did these things as if, oh, those people are just crazy. And we write it off like that'll never happen again because those people, something was wrong with those people. Mm -hmm. So that'll never happen again. Right. And it's like, that's not right. Those people were normal human beings just like me and you. And they got in a bad spot and were manipulated by someone else. And that can still happen. They weren't crazy. There was nothing crazy about the situation. It was calculated and it can happen again. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we just write it off like, oh, that can never happen because we're not crazy like them Mm -hmm. is so asinine. Mm -hmm. I, I just can't even believe it. And, you know, that same premise we were just talking about with school shootings, a friend of mine and I, because I'm a supporter of owning guns, but I do think there should be regulations. And I think loopholes should be closed. And we were talking about different things like how... Um, he legally owns a silencer and paid all the tax stamps and has all of the certificates and everything. He did it all legally. But isn't it so crazy that they were, you know, worried about banning silencers, which in reality, it doesn't make a gun perfectly quiet. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's still loud. Um, but that was more important to ban than like closing up some of these loopholes where you can literally go to the flea market right now and buy a gun off some guy and never have to register it. And he'll never know if you're a felon or not. I mean, why are we worried about the more important things? So we started talking about that. And then we got into why shootings happen. Okay. We talk about different way the media, uh, you know, portrays things and who has what agenda. And the craziest thing that I see from both Fox News and CNN, both sides is that no one ever wants to look at the person as, well, what is the logical reason for this happening? They always just say, well, they're a terrorist or they were mentally ill mm-hmm. or you know, something was broken about them. And I'm like, why are we not thinking about the possibility that these people were completely normal and the pressures of the life that we force people into cause them to snap? I mean, we all know the term going postal. Mm-hmm. I just think that some of these shootings, not all of them, but some of these shootings are just going postal mm-hmm. you know people we see it with family annihilators all the time you know a, a dad loses their job and he thinks that he's saving his family by killing them all rather than going bankrupt he snaps mm-hmm. he, he goes insane or somebody loses their job and they they have nothing now they've lost everything so they shoot up their work mm-hmm. and i think um what if these people doing these mass shootings it's the same thing happening to them Mm -hmm. It's just everything in their life crumbles and they think, you know, this is, I can't, why is society like this? And they just explode. Right. So it's like, why aren't we reviewing that instead? Maybe these people aren't mentally ill. Maybe they're having a nervous breakdown caused by legitimate things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, anytime you try to start putting any kind of logic into it, people Mm -hmm. think you're having sympathy for them, which Mm -hmm. I don't. I think everyone is in charge of their own mental health. And if you do that, you're completely responsible. Mm -hmm. But- we need to examine that instead of just writing it off like,
0: oh, they're just crazy. Well, I think there's a danger in doing that. It, the danger anytime that, and I'll, and I'll use the term like uh, intellectuals or scholars or whatever, try to get down into the reasons and causes for things, whether it's poverty, whether it's gun violence, whether it's whatever, um, drugs whenever someone tries to dig down to the root causes, they're considered sympathizers. And society, the liberals in the media and other people who claim to be humanists really don't want to get to the bottom of it either because you're very right. A lot of these problems have overall systemic issues that are intrinsic to our way of life. So if you say, okay, well, we found out that eight out of 10 people that went on a shooting spree had just lost their job after working for a company for so many years, whatever, it was job-related, okay? So if we find that out, we're going, oh, my God, we got to change something about our society. Oh, we can't do that. Right, exactly. So it's protectionism. That's why the media doesn't want to, And if you've noticed, like in recent times when there's been a shooting, they've pretended to not want to say the shooter's name because we don't want to glorify him we don't want to make him no because they don't want you on your own even trying to find out was this person radicalized on the internet was this person what was the reason they did this because you and i want to know right and the media has an obligation to tell us the backstory on that person but the only time they want to do it is when the conservative media can tell you they were terrorists or when the left wing media can tell you they were mentally unstable like right. that's and
1: that's all they want to talk Where about or they can tell you that they were a uh, radicalized right wing person and it's like i don't know even those people i mean obviously we know that um, some of them had to do with racism and the one kid in south carolina like white supremacist and then uh, that's all a separate issue but there's been so many of them and it's like i think about the i think about the movie theater shooting a lot because my friend carly and i were actually in cleveland and I forget the name of the, I think it was Aurora or something. Mm-hmm.
0: The street. Aurora, Colorado was yeah, where it yeah, happened. Yeah, the city
1: that was happened. And we were staying on a street called Aurora Street. So when I heard it on the news, I was like, oh my God, is this here mm-hmm. now? And then, you know, you listen for a minute and you're like, oh, okay. But that was like the first time that I was like, wow, like this is crazy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like obviously Columbine was a thing my whole life, but it just, I guess as a kid, maybe it didn't happen as much and that was like the one rare instance or maybe I just didn't pay attention because I was a kid. But the only two mass shootings I ever heard about happening were Columbine and then the Virginia Tech shootings. They talked about them all the time. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I don't know if it's unaware or just becoming an adult, and being more aware of them happening more or or what. But yeah, it's just... i When that movie shoot, theater shooting happened and they talked about that guy... I mean, he was an intelligent person.
0: Mm-hmm. He wasn't
1: just like some, you know, like that kid in South Carolina. He was just homegrown, racist, like, child, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, just full of hate for no reason. Uneducated. Mm-hmm. That like,
0: we know of. That we know of, right. I mean, that's another thing, too. But this like, guy, I mean, know. why? What?
1: I mean, what was the... There's. I want to know. Mm-hmm. What in that guy's head snapped mm-hmm. that, that made him like that? And until we figure out what that is, I'm like, how do we... You know, because you're not going to
0: stop acts of violence when people mm-hmm. snap like that. And without venturing too far off into a whole nother show on conspiracy, I, we, we've done a whole show on MKUltra mind control, the government's interest in controlling people, creating Manchurian candidates. And the guy in Las Vegas, to me, was programmed.
1: Yeah, something was very, very strange about that. And again, not to be too conspiracy theorist, but it's just very strange that when they did talk to his family and stuff and looked at his life, that the dude mm-hmm. was
0: totally normal. And then the other thing that makes you question, too, is, like, the uh, Pulse nightclub shooting. Um, there were people who called the FBI and told them, like, this guy is seriously radicalized. Like, he's going to do something. Like, And then the kid that shot up the um, the uh, Marjory Stoneman Douglas. He had threatened his neighbor. He had pulled a gun on people. He had done a lot of crazy stuff. And, like, that, nothing was ever done about it. So, to me, it's kind of like, was the, were these times when, when the structures just looked the other way? Was it intentional? I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying it was. But doesn't it seem weird that they say, oh, if you see something, say something. Report, report, report. And you find out when you start digging into some of these shootings that people did report stuff and, like, nothing got done about it.
1: Right. So, is that on purpose or is it just a massive oversight?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, you, we, we will never know because they don't want us to investigate it. And I, I always say, you know, when we're talking, whether we're talking about wealth inequality or gender issues or whatever the issue is we're talking about, you know, there's a close up view and a far away view. So when you look at the situation close up, you know, you see the person, you see the act, you see the specifics of that incident. When you back up and you take in the larger perspective of everything that was happening with this person in their entire life, you know, in society in general, what you find out is that to tackle these problems, you have to get into the infrastructure. You can't fight a battle, you can't fight a war like one person at a time. You have to have a strategy. You have to look at the whole system and say, we have to change the system that is generating this result. We can't just attack this one result. We have to attack the whole system.
1: Yeah. Right. That's why I always come at the, when, you know, people immediately jump to banning guns. Um, that just seems crazy to me because I know, I mean, I'm in West Virginia. Everyone I know owns a gun mm-hmm. and everyone I know uses them responsibly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, especially, I mean, I, I went so long without owning a gun and now that I have one when, you know, Doug works night shift and I'm here by myself, the level of safe that I feel because it's like, you know, it's just, it's an added layer of protection. I'm always still going to lock my doors. Mm -hmm. I'm always still going to have a dog. There's always going to be other protections Mm -hmm. in place, but it's for myself. You know what Mm I mean? I mean, I'm not one of those people that totes it around. You know what I mean? If it's broad daylight and I'm going shopping at Walmart, I don't really necessarily feel the need to carry a gun, but, but everybody I know is like that. You know what I mean? They're responsible gun owners. So Mm -hmm. I just, I don't, I don't think that taking that away, especially in the world we live in and the area that we live in is the right thing to do. I don't think people need to own, you know, uh, super long magazines or anything. I think that's ridiculous, but I just don't know why it's so polarized and why there's back and forth. But the the first thing they always attack is, um, just ban all the guns. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's not even a, uh, yeah, it might, it might prevent deaths, maybe, I mean, but we know that people will wreck cars into buildings and make bombs out of fertilizer. I mean, look at the freaking Unabomber, dude. Yeah. Like, people, when they snap like that, are always going to do mass damage where they can. So I don't think that would solve the problem.
0: Right. I mean, and, and like I said, I think it's more an issue of the, of the systemic, what's happening in the system. Because if you look at states where there's a lot of states that have high numbers of high level of gun ownership, you don't see school shootings or mass shootings. And then there's other states where there's less there's more strict laws about guns and there's less people that privately own them and they have higher rates of of gun death. Then you also have to take into consideration when you talk about, you know, people that die as a result of a firearm, the number of suicides that are included in those numbers. Right, that is a very misleading Domestic thing. Domestic violence that are included. Because let me well, tell you something, a if a husband majority. can't shoot you, he, he will choke you to death. Right. He will beat you to death. If he's enraged, you know, nothing violence it, yeah. is going to happen. So, I mean... Not to say one way is any better than the other. My point is... It will happen. Why would you call a man who shoots his kill, shoots and kills his wife gun violence? That's not gun violence. It's domestic violence. It's domestic violence. Right.
1: You know... Um, but a large portion of gun deaths that they talk about when they quote these numbers, I was shocked that so many of them are suicides. Which again brings mm-hmm. me back to, you know, why is that? Why are we not worried about that problem? Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about... School shootings and they are awful, and there needs to be a solution. But what about all these suicides that we're just like, meh, you know, that doesn't get on the news, right? I mean, but it kills so many people, right? It's just it's awful. So, but again, that's another why don't we call why don't
0: we call knife why don't we call Murder by knife, knife violence. We right. don't call it that. Strange. A stabbing. We call it a stabbing, but we don't call it a ni- we don't call it knife violence. See, that's what I'm talking about with language. When people use specific words, it's not by accident. It's on purpose to make you blame the thing. Just like people who want to say that pro life people are anti choice. The reason they want to label them as anti choice is because they've assigned the word choice to abortion. When let's be clear, if you want to have an abortion it's an abortion, you know? Um, so why do you have to say we're pro-choice? Well, to me, if I say you're pro-abortion, that offends people that are pro-choice. And I'm like, well, it, to me, it's a very clear distinction of a word.
1: Yeah, but I think pro-abortion, um, you know, gives off the vibe that you, like, encourage anyone who's pregnant to get an abortion, which is not, is not the case. Right. I mean, I know a lot of people who are pro-choice that they themselves are like, oh, but I if would you never advocate have that you
0: want, if you advocate that you want abortion to be legal... I guess you could say you're pro-legal abortion.
1: Right. Without saying you're pro-abortion. So I get what you're saying Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's why they say pro-choice because they think
0: it should be a person's choice to do it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But if But if a person chooses the other way, it does feel like there's discrimination against women. Like they think if a woman decides to go through with her pregnancy that somehow, you know she's given into the system or something. It's like, well, no, maybe she just believes that's a human life. I don't like, know. I
1: think that's another one of those situations where the loudest part of one party barks out and they get the headline yeah. when in reality, I mean, like I said, me and everyone I know, minus uh, you know my family and Doug's family, uh, but all of my peers are pro-choice. And um, a majority of them even say themselves that they would never do it because it's not their you know, they would never do it. It's just not what they believe, but that they believe it's someone else's choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when you get down to talking about those topics with people, most of them do believe that at a certain point that it shouldn't be allowed anymore. Uh, well, if you it's ask it's a woman
0: human. who, if you ask a woman about the statistics on abortion, okay, and say, well, what's the main reason why women have abortions? Okay, well, because of economic reasons, right? If we say it's because of economic reasons, then is she really... Choosing to have an abortion, or is she, she being, being forced, forced to have by an abortion? poverty by poverty? So then again, I'm talking about systemic relating it back to the system, right? Nobody wants I mean, to have an abortion, nobody me. wants to get spin well, a I want to get pregnant well, that's just so I can go out thing. and have this procedure done because it sounds like a hell of a good time. Well, Nobody's f- doing it, it's that. expensive, first of all. And secondly,
1: I can't imagine that the trauma that people must go through, especially in that situation where maybe they're in an abusive relationship or they are in poverty and they have to make this choice because they think I have no other options. Because, you know, people throw options at you, but a lot of the options that people are offered when they are in poverty sound like options, but they really aren't. Right. You know, I mean, we tell women all the time, well, if you want to leave an abusive relationship, there are shelters. And then you go to these places <laughs> and do you know how many people in homeless shelters are, are abused in shelters? I mean, it's awful. It's mm-hmm. awful the rates that people who are homeless or live in shelters deal with being exploited and abused. And it's like, these options that people are offered are really not no, l- realistic. Because and it, they're
0: not dealing face-to-face with the people that are enduring those conditions. Right, exactly. So
1: I feel like even the most pro-choice people or pro-life people, I mean, we are on opposite ends of the spectrum, kids sit down and talk about, well, obviously, I want people to have the right to choose, but I also want to live in a world where they don't ever have to make that choice. Well, when
0: I say I'm pro-life, sometimes you know, the other side says, well, you, must, you just hate women. You just want women to be subjugated under patriarchy and like, oh, they say all these nonsensical things. I'm like, I love my fellow women. I do. And I, this is what I think sometimes. What about the girl who goes to the abortion clinic and she feels like she has to do it because maybe her boyfriend's forcing her to do it. That's not a choice. Maybe poverty's forcing her to do it. That's not a choice. But she goes there and she feels like she's being told this is fine. This is what you should do. So, okay, so she has the abortion. And then six years down the road, she meets a nice guy, and they get together, and they get married, and then she has, she gets pregnant on purpose. So she gets to that point in her pregnancy where she feels a baby move inside of her for the first time. And maybe that didn't happen. Maybe she got an abortion too early to feel that feeling. Now, can you imagine what's going through her mind? Maybe. I'm not saying all women, whatever, but I'm saying there is a woman out there who's had an abortion early on, being told it's a blob of tissue, it's not a life, it's this then and then that regrets that. it later, and then suffers trauma at feeling her baby having the hiccups inside. We'll of her see that and, and moving around and I thinking, like oh my god, like I killed my baby. Like to prevent that type of thing from happening,
1: I feel like it is not the right choice. Is not to come out and say, well, we're just going to make abortion illegal.
0: No, because of then you're not. just
1: getting rid of all of the other problems that are you're, you know what I mean you're not solving sure, any of those you're not
0: solving any of those. but other that's
1: problems. why I say like even us on opposite ends of the spectrum can agree that like if we really want abortion rates to go down um,
0: then we need to solve the other problems right and one of the problems is the religious people who are claimed to be anti-abortion they don't advocate for massive free health care and birth control right exactly, exactly. I do and they've so, proven that in
1: places where birth control is accessible that you know teen pregnancies I mean, and all this stuff. It birth goes control down. has
0: gotten so advanced now that i mean there's so many different methods and ways and to me like you shouldn't even have to show an id you should be able to walk into a pharmacy and you know those little cards that they'll put out sometimes for medicines you you're not allowed to just pick up like for the sinus pills you gotta give it the, right okay so you pick up the card you lay it on the counter at the pharmacy, the guy puts it in the bag and hands it to you and does not ask your name, does not ask for ID, does not ask you your age, just gives it to you. You know why? Because you can go get an abortion without providing information to anybody. So if you can go and have a procedure, a major medical procedure done without question, why aren't they advocating for that on the other end of it? So that a girl who really wants to finish college, who doesn't want to have to deal with the possibility of a pregnancy, can't go get an implant. Right. Can't go get that for free. It should be free. Free access to all that stuff. And girls need to be educated very early on about their bodies because body shame doesn't just mean talking about people being fat. Body shaming is like, I grew up in an extremely conservative patriarchal household. You know, sex was not talked about and... If it was, it was a joke, woman joking that, well, women aren't really supposed to enjoy it. Like, we can't, you know, I mean, that's how repressive it was. So there was no conversation about what any of the parts do. Like, I've honestly met women who don't understand, like, what, that their belly button, their belly button doesn't connect to their baby in the womb. Right. I know the level of uneducation
1: about sex, even in 2020, especially in our area, astounds me. It, it astounds is. me.
0: It's shocking. And people say to me, "Well, when did you tell your kids about sex?" And I'm like, when they were toddlers and they like their eyes bug out of their head and they're like, "What?" And I go, "Well, obviously I didn't like, <laughs> you know, show them a movie, but like your brother when he was 4, I got pregnant for you." And he said, someday I'm going to have a baby in my belly." And I was like, "Nobody, you can't do that." And he's like, Yes, I can. You know how he's always been. Yeah. He can't change his mind about anything. He might still today think he can get a baby. No, I don't. But, <laughs> but he, was de- he was angry that he was not. Po- this was not possible for him. So I told him, I said, well, you know, when mommies want to have babies, they have to get the magic from the daddy. If they don't get the magic from the daddy, the mommy can't have a baby on her own. She has to have the magic. So then as you got older, then I just explained to you, well, this is called this and this is called that. Now... When he got to a certain point, I was like, if you got any questions, come and ask me. But no kid wants their parents explaining the details of, like, you know, orgasm and shit. Like, they don't have that confidence. So, like, it was an open door if you want to ask about it. I know. I specifically remember. But your friends are going to tell you stuff. You're going to learn stuff. You're going to read stuff, especially in the age of the internet. You're going to look stuff up. Even in my repressive household, there was at least a, a, a medical thing where I could see where the parts were, how they functioned, right? So I'm like, if you got questions, you're free to come and ask me. I can remember when
1: I was like, I don't know, probably 12 or 13. I don't remember how old I was, but I specifically remember you asking you, what does an orgasm feel like? And you're like, (laughs) how the fuck am I supposed to like, wow, what a parenting moment. How would, how do you, I, what do you say to your child when they ask you that? Like, I'm just like, I just don't get it. You know, you see it in movies and stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. You were just like, I, I.
0: I don't. I don't know what to say to you. Right I now. mean, it's a, obviously going to be different for every person, for one thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just like it's I, just I would see that, watch self- a love scene and be like why is that oh, i've never felt like- <laughs> i don't it's i don't with any
1: feeling though like what a strange thing to have to describe to someone like even if you burn your hand it's like oh, okay well it's painful but like what does it feel like and it's like i don't fucking know you can't explain like, you that. can't
0: explain no, feelings like you can't explain it
1: so that was really funny i just i remember that specifically
0: because you you were just like i uh, i don't i what do I say to you right now? Like, yeah, you're just so lost. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I can't say there's too, been too many times in my life I was lost for words, but that was that was one of them. And I also remember like finding, you know, a condom in the house, and um, your your cousin Andrew was staying with us that summer, and they were both pretty young, so I was pretty freaked out about it, and I was like, Oh my god, like what's that like what? Why is this? I gotta ask him. Got to find out. Because I was like, did they have a girl at the house? Like, what the, he- what the hell happened? You know what I mean? So basically, the bottom line, though, was that they were trying to, like, figure it out, see what it was, see how it was supposed to work. Like, they were just being curious, which I was like, thank goodness. But it was like... You know, as a parent, you're kinda, you kind of you kind of don't want to like overstep in your child's like privacy, but at the same time you want to make sure they're not flailing around in ignorance. It's a, it's a difficult thing. <laughs> flailing around in ignorance. I like that. <laughs> but I mean, I really feel like, you know, you guys, you know, I I hope you felt like you could always ask me things, you know what I mean, without me being like, let's have the talk. I mean, because you knew how everything pretty much worked. And there's some things, as you pointed out, that you just got to be there. (laughs) Just got to try it out. But I will tell you this, you didn't invent it, so don't feel bad about it. (laughs) I remember telling you that, like anything that you like think, well man that was a that was a naughty thought like you aren't the first one who ever thought that
1: dude invasive thoughts are something that everyone should be taught about
0: because that's
1: like not a term invasive thoughts was not a term that i had ever heard someone use until i met my friend nicole in high school and i don't remember what we were doing walmart or mcdonald's or something waiting in line there was this old lady in front of us and she's just being so slow And Nicole's like, oh God, I can't. And I was like, what? She's like, I just have invasive thoughts all the time. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, because I just want to like run over there and just like push that lady on the (laughs) ground. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, Nicole. And she's like, obviously I would never do that, but it's just an invasive thought. And I'm like, oh my God,
0: I do that all the Mm -hmm. time. Like, (laughs) Well, it's the structure of the human brain. I'm glad you brought this up because everybody should know about invasive thoughts. So the structure of the human brain is like when you're in a stressful situation or maybe not even stressful, maybe you're in a particularly creative situation moment where you know you you, mine is when I wake up in the morning before I'm fully out of my dream mentality thoughts will flow to me so crazy and I can write better and I can you know by by evening I'm spent I'm my brain's gone but um so when you're in that phase of thought like all kind it's it's a survival thing that all manner of possibilities pop into your head and plus, you have to think about what we're exposed to on television. We hear about crazy shit happening all the time. And then you're like, you know, you'll be standing there. Well, i how, talking about firearms. Okay, so we have a firearm. We all, we all, all of my family has firearms. Or responsible people, would never pull them out to hurt anybody, only would use them to protect other people or ourselves. So, but you imagine like these people doing things like shooting other people and you're in for a second like you try to imagine like doing that and it's not because you're thinking a violent you're not really thinking a violent thought but you're trying to understand how another person thinks that violent thought and the only way for you to try to understand that is if it pops into your head right so you're not terrible because you thought man how do people get to a point where they just like pull this out and start shooting people like how does that happen and you don't understand it. So it's just your brain trying to understand how people do horrible things. Yes, it's going to pop in your mind. We have to we're bombarded with horrible shit that happens every day and I think we're just trying our brains are trying to figure it out. So if you if you're out there and you're listening and you ever have some really terrible thought, like no matter how terrible it is, it doesn't mean you're a terrible person. It just means your brain was like randomly picking something out and th- like it's like if you have a dream. When you're asleep and you have a dream, you wake up, you don't go Man, I'm a horrible person for dreaming that. You might think it's weird, but you don't necessarily blame yourself. But if you have a random, crazy, horrible thought while you're awake, you think, oh my God, I'm a terrible person. Why would I ever think that? No, you're not a terrible person. You didn't do it. It just flashed through your brain. Let it go. Yeah. But sometimes you it sticks ex- in your you brain. you obsess on it, that's, that's right. that creates a problem. And I do think that sometimes women have in postpartum, that's what happens to them. Their hormones are messed up. Their sleep is messed up. They're probably in some sort of half sleep, half awake state, and they look at their baby and they think some terrible thought, and then they feel like such a horrible mother that they obsess on that. Why did I think that? Why did I think that? Why did I think that? And the next thing you know, they're thinking the devil's telling them that they should do it. And it's just like, there's no one there to say, listen, honey, it's fine. It was just a thought. Right. It just popped in your head. I think that
1: happens with a lot of people in a lot of these awful situations, or if they just had someone to talk to and be like wow I had this thought and it was completely judgment free and they just felt like they could say it yeah that uh a lot of shit probably wouldn't happen and I I think that all the time I was actually just made a post about it the other day because I know I get accused of being a sexist all the time and it's not that I am at all by any means and all of my friends are men I mean and none of them are you know the idea that people probably think I think about men um I think my brother's an amazing guy and all the male friends that I have are just some of the most supportive, loving people I've ever met. Um, And I never really had a lot of female friends. The two female friends that I do have are are guy-like, they're tomboys like me. Um, So it, it has nothing to do with hating men. I just think that it's not men, it's what society tries to force men to be. Exactly. Is what I hate so much.
0: Exactly.
1: And it does make me sad, especially a lot of times mostly probably fueled by alcohol that a lot of my male friends will talk to me about stuff and they'll be like but you can't say that when you're sober because then people will say this or that and i'm like i hurt for you that you feel that way right because i don't feel that way Mm -hmm. and sometimes people do tell me that i'm an oversharer or i'm overly emotional or you know they say all these things but as a woman i'm used to hearing things like that Mm -hmm. i'm used to being told that i'm overly emotional and so it's whatever i just it doesn't bother me but it truly makes me sad to think that you know every single day of their lives are just being told that you can't do that because then you're not a man. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's awful. I can't imagine living like that. I can't imagine how insane my brain would be if I had to live every action and every word that I have to say wondering if someone's going to judge who I am as an entire person just based off of having feelings.
0: Right. And here's another thing too. Like you can't have little kids who do things and then have a political answer to what they did. So for example you watch a group of kids, young kids, and there's going to be kids that are aggressive and there's going to be kids that are shy. There's going to be bullies. There's going to be all this, like, spectrum of kids, right? So the kid that's aggressive that goes over and takes something off the other kid and pushes him down, like, if you go just go over to him and tell him he's bad, you did a bad thing that was bad, what you did, like, you're offering a judgment, but you're not asking him to understand how the other kid feels. Why did he do that? What made him feel he had to do that? Was he afraid the other kid wouldn't share with him? Like, there has to be a conversation. And it amazes me that I see liberal, supposedly liberal parents, you know, that are supposed to be all about letting their children be who they are, like, casting so much dispersion and judgment on their children. It's like, why are you doing that?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, one time... Um, a friend of mine has a kid that goes to school over here and he walked over, the mom picked him up and they walked over to say hi to us. We were all sitting on the porch and he was so devastated because he's a hyperactive kid, which first of all, when did becoming a hyperactive kid mean that something was wrong with you? Right. Okay, I'm so sick of people expecting children to just sit perfectly still and be quiet and follow directions. Like, of course, they're not gonna do that all the time. Okay, it doesn't mean they have ADD. It's just, Mm -hmm. they're just a child, okay? Like, but secondly- He had spilled something at school, so he got a uh, red frowny face instead of a gold star. And he was so devastated. And I'm like, he doesn't even understand that the reason why he's upset is because it was an accident. And he doesn't know how to tell the teacher that it wasn't on purpose. Mm
0: -hmm. She just
1: assumed it was because he was being rowdy all day. Mm -hmm. So, yes, he deserved punishment for not listening and being rowdy all day when he should have been in school doing schoolwork. But she gave him the red, you know, frowny face because he spilled something and he was so upset because he just doesn't know how to express himself. How that, that wasn't, that part wasn't on purpose and that's the part I got in trouble for. Right. And I just like, I'm looking at this kid crying and I completely understand why he's upset just from hearing about the explanation of this whole situation. Mm -hmm. But it's like, how do you, (laughs) like, how do you, I feel like that whole judgment system of gold star for good and you know red frowny face for bad is
0: like so bad it is
1: that's like not the way you like why is explaining things just not the
0: way you know when but, your your cousin um juran and um tyler were in school they had some issues and you know they dealt with a lot of difficulties at home like we did um like all families probably do to some level or another and i remember they were staying with us for a brief period of time um because their mom was doing the right thing and trying to get some some help. Um, and I remember the teacher calling me to the school and um, being surprised that, you know, Tyler's behavior had improved so much. And she asked me, like, what I was doing. And literally, I wasn't doing anything. I just think that, when kids live in a home where their mom is a victim and being abused and their their life is chaos and, you know, they're struggling with that and especially if you're a boy and you see your mom be hurt and you can't protect her, you feel weak. Um, you know, to think about, and I don't know what the school knew about their situation or didn't know about their situation because I didn't talk to them about it. But I feel like, you know, just the absence of that, trauma for him was healing and you know he'd come home and tell me a couple things that he had to deal with with the kids at school and and one thing he was breaking pencils all the time he just would snap pencils
1: yeah I remember that and um well and you know it didn't help that bullying is such a thing that's talked about today um and it does shock me that you know even people my age talk about things they were bullied over and it's usually about appearance or this and that but when we were in school I specifically remember The kids who came from better backgrounds, wealthier backgrounds, uh, literally bullying me and all of my friends because we were poor or they knew we came from abuse, which the only way they could have known that was from their parents. Mm -hmm. And I think that all the time is that, you know, when some kid came in and said, your mom's drunk to a friend of mine, which caused him to just go into, you know, fistfight mode and he gets in trouble. Mm hmm. And I look at that whole situation like, first of all, what the fuck? I mean, mm-hmm. I was a child and knew that that my friend was not the one that should have been being punished. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I want to find the parent of that kid. Just ask them. Do you think that what this child goes through, a child at home, is not enough? That then you have to tell your child about the things that that Susie's
0: mom's a drunk, that Susie's mom is doing. Yeah, and, are, and and yeah. then.
1: You know, instead of trying to do something to help that kid, now you've just given your kid ammo and basically permission, because you allow it to go on,
0: yeah.
1: to abuse that child even more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I'd like to go find some of those parents and just be like, do you know that not only me watching that situation from the outside, did you tell me that I can't trust adults?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can't trust adults to help me out of the situation. And secondly, that you're okay, that this happens.
0: Yeah.
1: And that I'm doing something wrong, or they're doing something wrong. That's the message that you sent to a child. And I hope to God that, I mean, I know all the people that I grew up with that went through that, who now have children, would never allow that to go on. But I, I think about those kids that that did that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and now they have kids. And I'm like, it is an endless cycle, because those people were never taught empathy.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, just not that long ago, um, you know, remember when Tyler had the issue, my nephew had an issue at school when I went... You say, say not
1: that long ago, but it was like 10 years ago.
0: <laughs> it was, I guess it wasn't long ago. <laughs> but yeah, he was in grade school and, um, you know, he got bullied at school, got knocked down. I was picking him up that day from school and he had like, his pants were all dirty in the knees and he said he had a terrible day. I was like, what happened? And he told me. And I was like, hmm, let's go back inside. So we go back inside and the teachers and secretary had pretty much told him my nephew that he was going to be you know in detention and you know when I got to the bottom of the story um he was the one who was bullied yep and it always happened that way it's and the so teachers sad. by the teacher and I don't say that because I'm defending my nephew what I'm saying is I looked at the physical evidence of what happened I listened to his story and then I went in and I asked the teacher to explain to me what she knew about the situation first. And she more or less told me that he was telling the truth. So I'm like, well, I don't understand why he's being punished when he was clearly a victim here. And of course, it turns out to be that, um, you know, how the favored status of the kid whose mom or dad is so-and-so. Right. Because she had no, literally no other excuse. Tyler had made a comment, and this kid didn't like it, so he knocked him down. And I'm like, so you're telling me, that you feel like physical violence is justifiable because someone doesn't like what someone else says. That's literally what you're telling me, that you're not disagreeing with his story. You're saying that that's okay, that another child physically assaulted him. And that kid's been not punished, but he's been punished after he got knocked down on the ground for supposedly saying something. No one heard the comment. Right, right i mean i feel like i remember
1: this because i think what happened in that specific situation was this kid uh who constantly bullied tyler uh for the problems that were at home that he had no control over constantly 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 bullied him for it now this uh, was
0: tyler my sister's Tyler.
1: Oh, your sister's yeah. Tyler. Mm-hmm. I thought you were talking about the situation. Yeah, we have you'll, two Tyler. You'll I probably nep- t-
0: Tyler nephew, sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought you were talking about my Tyler. Uh, but this specific situation was same thing. He got bullied at school and ended up being the one to get in trouble because he made a comment to a kid uh, and was basically making fun of him because he was adopted. Which, of course, super fucking wrong. Mm-hmm. But what the other side of the story was is that kid, who was adopted but into a rich family, constantly bullied Tyler... For all of the home problems that went on at home. So it was like constant every single day on them, on them, on them. And then Tyler finally shoots back something he knows will hurt him. Mm-hmm. And then he was the one who got in trouble. And I'm like, this was constant. I literally, it it just floors me how we talk about bullying today and all of the resources that are available and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, where the fuck were any of you mm-hmm. when I was in mm-hmm. elementary school? Because the, the blatant abuse and negligence that went on is astounding to me. I mean, I literally watched friends of mine get picked up by their drunk parent that abused them. Picked them up from school drunk. Clearly, I as a child recognized they were drunk. And the school let those kids leave with them. We would come in with, you know, bruises, this and that. No questions were ever
0: asked. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Well, in defense, is the some of the people in the school. There are some good people in the school. Um, but oh, they, there definitely was. I specifically remember
1: be- a teacher of mine who got ridiculed later on for riding a friend of mine and me home because we went to uh, an after-school program and their parent was supposed to pick us up, but the school knew that that parent was unreliable and had issues. So they never showed up to pick us up, and he, after the game was over, rode us home. And we know that he got in trouble for it later for riding us home. You put yourself in a situation with these two girls, and you rode him home, and this and that. But
0: what was he supposed to do? Just leave right. us there? Right. I mean, yeah, I think that there's good people in the school system, and they they're they're on a balancing, they're on a tightrope between overreacting and underreacting. Uh, when your brother was in the fourth grade, he and another boy were out on the playground having a conversation about the soldiers in Iraq carrying their guns and how heavy their packs are, and, you know, all these different things little boys talk about. And a little girl came over and tried to butt into the conversation. They told her to bug her off, and she got mad. So she went in and made up a story that they said they were going to bring a gun to school and shoot her. So, of course, in the age of, you know, school shootings, they just, they had to react to her comment. Yeah, this would have been, like, what,
1: 2004?
0: Yeah, 2000. He was in fourth grade. So then it would have been, like, two thousand yeah it was it was a long time yeah yeah so two thousand okay yeah so anyway but the little girl made up a story and she was known at the school for making up stories so the principal brought the two boys in asked them what they were talking about separately and they both told the same story so he's like well she's exaggerating clearly they didn't say that because he questioned them separately and they both verbatim said the same story so he let him go back to class so this little girl persisted and they she was said she didn't feel good, so her nurse's station. She told the nurse she wanted her mom. They called mom, mom comes to school. So mom becomes very aggressive with this old principal. Says she wants my son and this other boy thrown out of school. They're dangerous. They threatened her daughter. So rather than look this mom in the face and say, Listen, I questioned the boys separately. They told the exact same story. There's no evidence that they said any of these things. Um he caved because he was a nice, sweet old man. And she, this mom was very aggressive. So she was a Karen. <laughs> she was a Karen. So I get called to school because now at the insistence of this mom, my son's been kicked out. She made the decision. My son was getting kicked out. Not the school, not me, not anybody, just her. So I picked him up. And of course I didn't defend him right away. I was like, well, listen, uh, Mr. Mercury says that, you know, five other kids verified that you did say that. So how did he come up with that? You know, uh, and he didn't tell me. He told me he questioned the boys separately, but he didn't. T- but he said he went and questioned the other students, and then five of them said that they verified the girl's story. So I was like, okay, well, my son can lie. So on the way home, you know, he was crying, said he would take a lie detector test, and always being scientifically minded, I knew he wouldn't say that unless he believed that he was telling the truth. So I was like, well, how did these five other kids come up with uh, her side of the story? Tell me about how that happened. So he said that this mom and the principal came into the classroom full of students. So they were not questioned separately. These, the rest of the students weren't questioned separately. And his question to them was, how many of you heard these boys talking about guns on the playground today? Well, clearly, by their own story, they already told him that the conversation evolved guns he didn't ask the other students did they hear a threat he just by group question asked them if they heard any conversation about guns and five kids raised their hand so they expelled him from school for three days based on which that. was the least of the problems the least of the problems because then mom of this girl decided that she was going to get her 15 minutes of fame with wtrf and organized a picket, a protest that she wanted these boys kicked out of school permanently on nothing but the word of her child that was verified through a crappy process. And, you know, it was a big it was a big mess. And so when we ended up what ended up happening was the prosecutor in the Marshall County at that time, who I'm sure she went to and said they should be also thrown in jail, held a meeting at the school and people openly discuss what happened. And I said, listen, I understand people are scared of threats. They don't want their... They want your child to be safe at school. So do I. But the process that we're using here does not provide any evidence for the person defending themselves. Like you have no due process here. There's no person... It's a witch hunt. It's a witch hunt. Right.
1: I remember this too,
0: because even as a
1: kid, Jovi would have been... Nine mm-hmm. when this happened, so I was in kindergarten at the mm-hmm. same school, and I remember uh, being at one of my grandparents' house, and they were watching it on the news. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing you and Dad and Jovi on the news. We, we weren't the on the news. Well, Jovi, I saw Jovi. The, the and I,
0: but I still think about that too because how were they allowed to put his face on well, the news? Well, here's here's what happened. The mom was interviewed on the news. The picketers were interviewed on the news. Now I wanted to go on the news and defend. Okay. But the advice that I got was, right now, your son's name is not allowed to be put in the press. His face can't be put on the news. No one's allowed to put his name out there because he's a minor. But if you go on television and say, "I am," then they know. Then you're by by you're opening the door for them to talk about him because he's your child. You're exposing him to all of that if you go and try to do it in that way, like on WTRF. Because I actually called WTRF and said, "There's another side of the story." And you know we want to tell our stuff. Yeah, I remember
1: seeing you guys like talking on the news, but it was when they were doing the recording outside of the school. We had I, to walk. Through I the saw you walk through it. Yeah, I saw to you guys get into walk the through the school. Because then, as you know, as a kid, I don't understand. I'm
0: just like, oh look, those yeah. are people I know. <laughs> but again, like they replayed that same story over and over and over. It was always from the perspective of these boys made threats. The WTRF didn't offer me to talk to me off camera and say. You know, hey, what's your side of the story or whatever? All they did was repeat the mom's side of the story, complete, complete factless reporting on their part, which is one reason why I've never had any respect for WTRF because they basically repeat anything that anybody tells them. They don't verify anything. Yeah. In fact, half of their news stories now are just people's Facebook posts that they repost. I know. Yeah. It is awful. There's, it's awful journalism. It's completely terrible. And I didn't watch, I don't watch their news. And I don't even have access to local TV. I could look it up online if I wanted to. But there was a shooting a couple days ago at Clay School, and I don't know if it's even been reported on the news. Wow, I don't know if it I has haven't heard one. anything about it. But, um, but yeah, you can't believe
1: anything you but hear. So anyway, uh, I know how it ends. But for our viewers, how did that
0: resolve? Well, basically, I stood up this meeting and I told these parents, I said, before you jump on the picketing bandwagon and go out there and say my son should be thrown out of the school, I want you to do one thing. Imagine that your child is accused of saying something or maybe even doing something by another child like maybe a child accuses them of touching them or doing something inappropriate and there is absolutely no proof required and you have no possible method of defending your child in any way shape or form how would you feel about that process if you were on that end of it. And the whole room just kind of sat there and was like, oh, shit, we didn't think about that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was like a collective oh, shit moment. Like, what the? So I mean, Mind blown. Mind blown. Yeah, so like a lot of times all you got to do is put yourself in the other person's shoes and think, how would you feel if you were on the other end of this shit? But um, the... <laughs> They even had the Glendale police chief say, Well, I think it comes back to how the boys are raised. There's a clip of him on the news saying that. And I'm just like, And I did call him and I said, You didn't talk to me. You know nothing about how my child was raised. So I don't know where you get off getting on TV and saying something like this. Completely irresponsible. So I gave him a piece of my mind. But, you know, that's what happens. A story gets started, a narrative starts rolling. And, you know, I, I feel bad for famous people sometimes because, it, Living that week where apparently there was absolutely no other news in the Ohio Valley going on, where they constantly went over the same story over and over and over, it made me so stressed out and enraged because if you say something about me that's true that you think is horrible about me, I'm okay with that because if it's true, you can have a different opinion from me. You can hate my guts for something that's true. But if you just completely make up some shit that's not even right, oh my God, like that is so hard to oh, deal I with. know.
1: I feel that too. Especially when, you know, the person on the other side has a platform and you don't, you can't even defend yourself. Right. It's awful. Yeah. I remember that. I still remember that because it was like, again, I guess out of all of the bad that it was, the good thing that came out of it was at a very young age, we learned that the system is not always going to protect you even if you're mm-hmm. not in the wrong
0: and, and even if the person who's who, like
1: like the principal
0: is not a bad guy
1: no he really wasn't a bad
0: guy he it's was just tri- he was he under, was dealing under with under a pressure Karen. he was dealing with a Karen and he's not a he's not an investigator right. He doesn't know how to properly question children, which is why if there's ever a threat in the school or some girl says somebody, someone else, yeah. someone else should be called in to investigate that so it's not biased, it's not by pressure one parent or the other, you know. And parents need to not always believe, they're, like, like I said, right off the bat, I was told, what I was told from the get-go, I didn't d- immediately defend my child. Don't, your child's not perfect. So what you gotta do is take a step back and let somebody who knows what they're doing actually go in and find out the facts and then, you know, try to get it resolved. But yeah, it's it's crazy, like how things can totally spin out of control, and that's one reason why I am against the term social justice. Oh
1: yeah, cancel culture—it's uh, the mob of
0: the left. Yeah, because there is no such thing as social justice, because justice implies that there is due process, that there is a way of defending yourself, that there is a fair evaluation of the evidence being presented, and there is none of that on social media. Zero, nada. Nothing is being verified. You know how many crazy, and I'm a conspiracy person. I'll listen to a good conspiracy. But this Fauci business is out of control, man. Like, I tried to look up some stuff about Fauci, and like, YouTube is... It's just exploded with anti fauci stuff. I mean, it's this guy pool of Q people is the devil incarnate. And so I watched the videos. I'm like, all right, keep an open mind. Listen to what they're saying. Zero evidence, man. Z- nothing. They have nothing. And I'm like, you know, when the government tells you a narrative, and this surprised me because the left is jumping on it, right? When the government gives you a narrative and you go, yeah, that bullet changing directions 20, that just, that kind of doesn't make sense. You see that building come down? perfectly flat, straight now, and you go, that doesn't make any sense to me. What you're doing is you're looking at what makes makes sense to you and saying the evidence doesn't fit that. But for some people, (laughs) the absence of evidence apparently is evidence. And I don't get that. Like, why are you just choosing to accept something when you're supposed to be a critical examination of the narrative, but when it's your narrative and you like it, you just, there is no. Oh, I know. I know, dude. And maybe it's because
1: I have such a huge ego and I, uh, you know, dignity is such a massive controlling <laughs> part of my brain that I'm constantly critical of every single thought I have so that no one can ever humiliate or embarrass me. Um, which is a manifested mental illness. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but um, it does make me uh, question everything that I think, even if it fits my narrative. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know what I mean? Like cause I don't want to be proven wrong, so I'm going to dissect this from every angle. Right. But but that's about all we have for now, guys. Our next episode is going to be about money. All about money. So money um, and banking. Money banking. You know, that's a whole topic that is a little bit more relevant to the 99% but sometimes I just like to have these off topic shooting off things because I feel like it gives the audience a little bit of background into things that might not come up in conversation between uh Mick and I so I feel like uh that's something that is missing from a lot of journalism is you don't even know like the person you're getting
0: Mm -hmm. information
1: from so uh, it's crazy to me that like a lot of people like like if you read a book and you're like wow i really agree with everything in this book and then you find out that person's like uh believes the holocaust was a lie and you're like wait a minute (laughs) you know what i mean like you don't want that so how did
0: that get by me like what
1: (laughs) but anyway uh we'll wrap this episode up uh tune in next week while we talk about banking and money uh and this is juke signing off and this is mick signing off